American Superconductor Corporation has engaged in unprecedented contract, copyright, and trade secret actions in several Chinese courts with its once largest customer in China, Sinovel Wind Group. This and similar cases illustrate the challenges American companies face in protecting key intellectual property rights in foreign lands. With a business-first, protection-second mindset, they sometimes forget that the laws governing intellectual property often vary from country to country. In innovation-heavy industries like renewable energy, clean tech, electronics, pharma, life science, and information technology, where the state of a company's IP can make or break its fortunes, it's crucial that companies understand the IP risks that exist in foreign markets and the necessary steps for protecting their IP. Finnegan's Ningling Wang and Ming Yang join us now to break down the topic, examine the implications, and provide recommendations for companies facing these challenges. First of all, what IP risks do companies face when they do business overseas? Companies doing business overseas face essentially the same IP risk, if not more. The potential for patent, copyright, and trademark infringement, as well as trade secret misappropriation, has been increasing. But what is different from doing business in your home country is that companies are entering into a marketplace that they are not familiar with. They don't know their competition. They don't know what their competitors would do. And they don't know how the different IT legal standards would affect their rights. Companies may have much more IP risk and business risk due to very different legal standards in foreign markets. In fact, different legal standards translate into very different protections for patent, copyright, trademark, and trade secrets, and sometimes means little or no protection at all for certain innovations or know-how. Can you give an example of how legal standards for enforcing IP may differ across borders? Yes. One example I would like to give is on litigation between China and the U.S. As you know, there is a discovery proceeding in the U.S., which can cost millions of dollars. The purpose of the discovery is for parties involved to find out the real truth. But in China, there is no such a discovery proceeding. As a plaintiff, uh, you normally need to prepare all evidence before you file a complaint with the court and some evidence needs to be notarized. So obtaining effective notarized evidence is quite burdensome on plaintiffs. Another aspect of legal differences is doesn't reflect in the law itself, but exists because of social, historical, and probably economic differences in different countries. For example, in the U.S. for IT litigation, you can expect to receive a large amount of monetary damage. However, in China, the monetary damages tend to be low. We have seen a recent trend in China that the courts have increased the monetary damage amount. How do the differences in legal standards for protecting IP affect companies doing business overseas? And can you give an example? Disputes between American Superconductor Corporation a U.S. company, and Sinovel Wind Group, a Chinese company, is a good example. Their disputes in China are unprecedented in both the amount at stake and the IP issues involved. 
American superconductor is seeking $1.2 billion in damages, and Sinovel also claimed it lost $120 million. The legal issues include breach of contract, copyright infringement, trade secret theft, and criminal charges for IP infringement. Because all of their legal actions are in China, including arbitration and court actions, the very legal standards in China will impact how much American superconductor can recover from Sinovo. For example, how much one can really recover from copyright infringement and from basically theft. And in fact, the infringement in this case involves highly complex, fully functional source code that Sinovel allegedly obtained by paying off an engineer of American superconductor. Further, because the parties had a contract, would the parties have been better off by spelling out each other's rights, obligations, and values of the IP in their contract? IP protections outside contracts do, do exist in China. But the question is then whether those protections offer the type and level of remedies American superconductor is demanding in this case. What steps can American companies take to protect themselves from those risks? First, I think it is very important for the company to build a strong IP portfolio and protection. This requires persistence and a long-term commitment because the cost of protecting innovation where intellectual property rights has been increasing. Wise CEOs should treat such a cost as an investment for gaining profits and market share via IP rights. In terms of trade secret, it is key to have strong internal procedures and policies on how the trade secret should be handled and protected inside of the company. IP rights can be used offensively as a sword or defensively as a shield. Second, I think it is critical to best use of employment contracts to help companies deter employees from disclosing the trade secret to the outsiders. Uh, we have found over and over the trade secret misappropriation often occurs when key employees jump to different ships. Another step that the company can take is to do a risk evaluation, specifically to conduct due diligence in both IP and business terms. In the American superconductor case, there are many business issues that should be addressed, as well as legal issues. For example, Selection of business partners can be very challenging, too. And when should companies take these steps? Companies need to take steps for protecting their rights before, during, and after major undertakings. Using what most American companies do in China as examples, two companies may enter into an outsourced manufacturing agreement or an American company may enter into an employment agreement with employees in China to avoid undesirable surprises and risks. Due diligence prior to those agreements give you an idea of what law protects you, 
how much protection is available, and what IP rights and obligations a company needs to put in agreement. During the effective period of an agreement, frequent monitoring helps a company to verify compliance and identify and possibly remedy any irregularities. And of course, after the contractual relationship ends, companies also need to be diligent in closing possible loopholes and a lot of times getting critical and confidential information returned to the right owners. What are your suggestions or advice for companies doing business overseas on how to manage their IP in an international dealer relationship? First, know where you're going, because in different countries, the strength of IP protections and enforcement can be different. Many factors, in addition to legal factors, such as social and economic factors, can affect the ultimate consequence of doing business overseas. Therefore, understanding the potential risk in IP protection and enforcement in a specific country can help form the strategies in advance to minimize the risks. Second, know whom you are dealing with. For example, in American Superconductor case, American Superconductor stuck with Senovel, probably because Senovel has been the primary customer of American Superconductor for some years. Further, the more you know your potential partner, the better you can manage your relationship with the potential partner. Third, try your best to minimize the risk. This can be done by carefully drafting contract provisions, by establishing companies' internal policies and procedures in managing IP, and by dealing with challenges with different business arrangements. You can also use IP to leverage the relationship so that the two parties can reach win-win situation rather than fighting in the court at the end. As a follow-up to LinkedIn's suggestion, one additional comment I have is that company can think more about how they use their IP to leverage business relationships. American companies traditionally have a lot less IP in foreign markets such as China, India, or Russia than in the United States. The strengths of U.S. IP, however, present significant leverage in doing business with foreign companies, especially those who care a lot about the American market. Like Lingling said, it can be a win-win situation. Indeed, American companies can create a win-win situation by leveraging their IP for contractual relationship, for foreign IP, and for business opportunities. Our guests have been Ningling Wang and Ming Yang of Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. To stay current on IP issues, to listen to other podcasts in the series, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.